You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Monday, it's time to review the weekend's newspapers in South Africa and internationally, I hope as well, with Katie Katapodis, who's the founder and supremo behind Nala Media in Johannesburg. Katie, I have to admit, I was very, very lazy this weekend and I didn't really go through the newspapers as assiduously as I should have done. So maybe you can start with what caught your eye. Maybe we should take a step back because we haven't spoken since the State of the Nation address on Thursday. What did you think? That's right. Well, I thought it was bland. I thought it was bland. I thought it was lackluster. And it certainly lacked energy, spark, hope, and promise. All the things that we were hoping that President Stor Ramaphosa would say in his State of the Nation. Um, it's a pity that that it, it, it was that. In fact, I must tell you, I read a fabulous, fabulous tweet, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Um, but it went along the lines of, as I try to frantically remember it, mm-hmm. is that President Stor Ramaphosa has given us the uh, some ingredients for how to make a meal, but hasn't actually told us how we're going to make it. Um, and I thought that was really good because it seemed very much like that. The implementation, the execution appeared to be lacking. And it didn't get much of a, a positive response or much praise, actually, especially from opposition political parties. Yes, indeed. As I've always said, ever since Mr. Ramaphosa first came to power, you have an opportunity to really drastically change the way that we've conducted ourselves politically and economically over the last 25 years. Please take that chance. And as you say, it was bland, it was boring, it was vanilla, and it was the deja vu factor that really got me. I've heard it all before, Katie. In fact, I, I must be honest. I think that you're being very generous by calling it vanilla. I would have, I would have gone with grey, which is far worse. I think it was far too grey, um, more so than than uh, than vanilla. But yeah, we were really hoping that he was going to uh, lay down the way forward and do it in a way that would inspire South Africa. This is a country with an economic crisis, a very, very serious crisis. And Lindsay, we've spoken about this ad nauseum, uh, you and I, on this podcast. So the question is, if we're not going to set out a plan of action, if we're not going to act now, then when? Yes, exactly. Especially when you have an essential monopoly on power and you will have probably another two, three and maybe even beyond elections in in the future. So you do have that chance. Now, Katie, over the weekend, Sunday Times, Citizen, all those new city press, all those newspapers that you look at, what did you see? Well, the big one for me was the lead in the Sunday Times yesterday. And I think that's been the major talking point in South Africa at the moment. Uh, The public protector, um, Busisibam Kwabane, is probing President possibly, I should rather say, um, for possibly being involved in money laundering. This is money, of course, that had to do with his election campaign and the election campaign funds. But this is a massive, massive story. Now, let's take it back a few steps. Let's have a look at where this all started. It all started, Lindsay, in Parliament when Democratic Alliance leader Muzi Maimani stood up and asked a question he wanted to know from the president if he had received any money from Bosasa. Right. Now, we know that Bosasa as a company has been plagued in controversy um, because um, it's essentially alleged, and in fact, it's not even an allegation anymore, that they were involved in state capture in a really serious way from ministers. Um, and now the allegation is all the way up to the presidency. 
The president answered um, at the time, and uh, the public protector has essentially uh, investigating claims now that he had misled parliament at the time. The probe appears to have widened. A very interesting uh, side story of this is the public protector is saying, we are probing what the Democratic Alliance, what the DA told us to probe. The DA is saying, no, 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 no. Our question was around the 500,000 rand um, uh, transaction from Bosasa. It didn't have anything to do with 400 million rand and allegations of money laundering, which of course raises even another question now to go, well, what factions are at play here? And what is actually going on in Lutuli House that has prompted the public protector to look so, so deeply into the president's financial affairs? So very much politics dominating um, the newspapers, for me at least. Those were the, that was the one big story to outdo all the other stories because the implications are not just for the president as an individual, but it's got implications, Lindsay, for our country and for our economy um, in terms of what this what this probe will, will reveal. Yes, it really does have implications in many different spheres, Katie, but it also smacks of factional mischief, I would say, as well, because if you read the, the Times, uh, the Sunday Times, it says here, reports which suggest that President Cyril Ramaphosa and the CR17 campaign were being investigated for money laundering were bizarre, said a former Cyril Ramaphosa 17 campaign manager. Now, I don't know enough about Cyril Ramaphosa and his business dealings. He's made six billion and you don't make six billion by being squeaky clean, let me tell you that. But I do think that there may be some someone planting something somewhere in order to dis discredit Mr. Ramaphosa or President Ramaphosa. Do you not think that there is a whiff of that? There are definitely factions at play. And in terms of political mischief making, there is no doubt in my mind that this is something that is happening. What's also very interesting to me, Lindsay, and which talks to the point that you've just raised now, is that Lutuli House has been quiet. The ANC has not issued a statement. And this is very unlike uh, the ruling party in terms of other statements that have been issued. We know that when the Secretary General of the ANC, Ace Mahashule, was accused of, of a whole lot of wrongdoings, the ANC issued a very, very strong statement in the aftermath, hours after the story first broke. The fact now that there isn't an ANC statement on this, I think we could, we could, we could read a lot into their silence. It's actually a bit deafening right now. Let's go overseas now and have a look at the situation between Iran and the US. Classic, classic Donald Trump. He puts out a statement saying we were 10 minutes away from launching an attack on Iran because of them downing one of our drones. And then he pulls back. So he, he takes away with one hand, he giveth with the other. It's his classic bargaining tool. And now apparently there have been some dovish statements from the Iranian authorities and the Iranian administration about having a chat with the United States of America, given the fact that the Straits of Hormuz are under threat and therefore 20% of the world's oil supply is under threat and therefore everyone is affected. This is another fascinating story outside of South Africa. It certainly is. The big question for me is, do we believe Donald Trump? No, we do don't. Do we believe Donald Trump when he says, oh, you know, it was me in his, in his true uh, paint myself as a hero style tactics who decided to, to hold back just 10 minutes before? I personally don't. I don't know what you think, Lindsay, but I think it's all a whole lot of 
hot Trump air, actually. Yes, I do, but I can't say too much about Trump because I get I get some uh, some horrible mails from people about the fact that I'm obsessed with the fact that I uh, <laughs> I don't like Mr. <laughs> Trump. But you know, I must say, recently some of his tactics have worked. He did it with Mexico with the five percent, and then the potential escalating of, of tariffs after the five percent, and then he pulled back from the brink. Maybe he did pull back from the brink with the potential Iranian strike. I don't know. My story of the weekend, Katie came from Canada. And you, you're obsessed with air, aircraft, aircraft crashes mainly, but this is a good aeroplane story. I don't know if you saw it. A woman, was on oh, a, do tell. a woman was on a flight from Quebec, I think it was, to Toronto. It was a night flight. She fell asleep on the plane. She woke up two hours later. The plane was locked. The plane was dark. It was a big plane as well. It wasn't a light aircraft or something. This was, this was a Boeing jet. The staff had got off the plane without noticing that she was asleep and she woke up freezing cold in her seat, buckled in, and she couldn't get out. So she had to go to, she, she broke into the cockpit, found an emergency torch and started flashing the torch and security staff on the ground of the airport, Toronto airport, saw these flashing lights and rescued her. But how can you as a stewardess or a steward not see someone sleeping in the seat. What a nightmare. I would have panicked. I don't know about you. I did not see that story, but that is one heck of a story. So are you telling me that that passengers, some possibly sitting next to her, got up, got disembarked. Up, disembarked. They, 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 they took all of their luggage. The flight attendants walked walked up and down and nobody noticed. That there nobody was a woman noticed this woman. Chair. She was left locked on the aeroplane. She woke up in the <laughs> middle of the night, frozen solid. And it was just, just Google Air Canada passenger. It, it's, all, it's all over the news at the moment. I think it's absolutely Look, it also begs the question. Mm. Lindsay, it also begs the question, um, how many of those um, little mini wine bottles did she have or did she pop anything not to also wake up? Because because when planes land, there is a heck of a racket. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, when people disembark, there is a lot of noise that's happening. So, so was she in such a deep sleep that she didn't hear anything going on around her? Very maybe, odd. Maybe she was listening to some soothing music or something, some whale noises, whatever these people do in order to get to see. But the point is, if you're walking up and you've got one job to do as a flight attendant, you walk up and down and, and maybe you miss the old iPad that's been left in the front pocket of the, the seat in front of you or something like that. But you don't miss a passenger. I mean, she, she wasn't a dwarf. <laughs> she was a normal human being. It's extraordinary. Katie, thank you very much for your time, as always, on a Monday. Katie Katapodis is the founder and supremo behind Nala Media in Johannesburg. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.